Good morning. Welcome to the Long Live Alternative Parties podcast. Free Press Media Press Inc. and Alternative Parties Books Publisher sponsors this podcast. I'm Andrew Bouchard. Live Alternative Parties podcast. Hi, how are you? Not too bad. How are you doing today? Doing really well. Excellent. Friends, today we have a guest, Chelsea Rusted from the Socialist Party in Puget Sound, and she's going to talk all about her party today and the exciting things they're doing. So welcome aboard. Let's get started by you kindly giving us an introduction to yourself, a brief biographical sketch. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, my name is Chelsea Rustad, and um, I've been a lifelong Washingtonian. Um, I was born in Tacoma, grew up in Federal Way, went to school in Ellensburg, and I've been in Tumwater ever since, which is right by the Capitol in Olympia. And uh, the Puget Sound area is sort of, um, it includes multiple counties. I'm in Thurston County right now. Uh, it also goes through Pierce and uh, King County. So it's a pretty uh, big region where we have the Puget Sound water bodies. Uh, so that's kind of where the name comes from. And our local chapter, the Puget Sound Socialist Party, was created in 2017 as a local of the Socialist Party USA. Um, so that's kind of how that came about. And anyone who is in the counties that are included in our region can join. There's several that are listed on our website and Facebook page. Um, so we, we covered that whole uh, greater Puget Sound area. And um, our goal as a party is to offer a, an alternative to the capitalist duopoly that typically dominates the ballot box um, and the campaigns that we see in the area. Usually it's Democrats and Republicans. You might see um, some other third parties on there like Libertarians or Green Party as well. Uh, we've also worked with a local Green Party in the past because some of the, the local chapters are more explicitly eco-socialist and a lot of our policies are aligned and we have similar goals. So we have a working eco-socialist uh, coalition that we formed to uh, and join each other's parties to be supportive of each other there as well. So there's some overlap with the local Green Party. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's kind of the direction that we've been headed as of late. Want people to feel like we can work towards a little bit more left unity because the left is very sectarian and very splintered. And I always I think that's a shame because I think that there's um, there's a lot of intelligent and well-meaning people on the left who could use our, our resources collectively to accomplish a lot of good for ourselves and for each other and our communities, if only we could find it within ourselves to work together, find our commonalities, and build that solidarity on our common foundation. So that's uh, just kind of the, the stump speech, if you will. Sounds good. So what are some campaigns and issues that your party is working on in your area? So um, to an extent, because of COVID-19, our party and I'm sure everyone else as well has had campaigning a little bit sidelined by the limitations with that, um, which is unfortunate because just because there's 
you know, COVID-19 is happening, but people are still interested in politics and they want to be engaged and they want to run for office. But a lot of times people don't feel safe necessarily going out to canvas in the streets and knock on people's doors and chat with strangers, um, you know, and with the previous election cycle, we didn't even have the vaccine yet available and people could wear masks, but, you know, but people felt like they were kind of putting themselves at a risk there. So, you know, the, the last campaign that we ran uh, was Johnny Mead for Olympia city council. And he's a member of our uh, local, um, but we weren't able to do as extensive as a, of campaign support as we normally might have again because of the the limitations with with canvassing and uh, not being able to do as many in-person events some of the local events that we might have attended to support a campaign um, such as May Day Parade and things like that were canceled they just didn't happen so it's harder to get the word out um, you know it's not impossible but because we are a smaller party we just don't have the same resources as others do. And um, I think there's a common understanding amongst anybody, regardless of where you stand on, on the political spectrum, that oftentimes money simply does play a huge role in your ability to get the word out, to have mailers, to participate in events which charge a lot of money up front um, for, uh, to be included um, in the proceedings. You know, you can attend candidate forums and things like that, but, um, you know, that's an option. But uh, so, yeah, we just ha haven't had as much um, activity in terms of recent campaigns um, and and anything like that. Uh, that was the most recent one. But uh, but we're always looking for an opportunity to where if there is going to be an opening for um, a seat, say a local city council seat or something of that nature, if someone is interested in running or if we know of a good candidate who we'd like to endorse, and provide their support, you know, they can, candidates can seek endorsement with the, uh, the form, the standard form on our website and fill out that questionnaire the same way, you know, can, any candidate running for office typically fills out dozens of these endorsement request reforms from all the different orgs and individuals and parties that they're interested in seeking services and support from. So they can do that. They can reach out to our website and, uh, and fill that out. And our goal with that is to really determine um, if they are aligned with with our views, which is in building independent socialist uh, goals and and a and a real independent socialist party that's separate entirely from uh, what what the Democrats are up to. They they have a little bit of a contingent going on where they like to co-opt the term socialism and and claim that they have even socialist members of the party that they have the squad, but ultimately. Um, they, they typically, they vote the same way as all the Democrats. Um, they're getting paid million, the same millions of dollars to, uh, by the same lobbyists and donors and all of these folks. And they're, they're, you can't change a monster from the inside. So we need to, um, we really want to stress that message that it's not that these things are impossible. It's not that we can't achieve a better world and, and help people on a broader scale, we just can't use the Democratic Party to do that. So, so hopefully that's that's what we can, the way that we can set ourselves apart is to build up this alternative um, that I know that there's interest in and people want to see uh, other possibilities outside of the Democrats and Republicans, but 
it's hard for some people to make that leap to go there if if there's not already this strong third party presence. Um, but the way, but we have to build it first. We have to, if, if they want it to be stronger and, and viable and have that path to, uh, to making change, we, we, they got to, uh, I hope that they'll decide to look at our platform and see where they, we have agreements and, and, um, consider joining and supporting that movement. It, it is a, a people powered working class movement and definitely can't grow without, um, more people making that effort to decide that they're really going to uh, make that hard break with the Democrats and Republicans or whichever uh, capitalist oriented party they may have been aligned with or, or supportive of in the past and uh, just go a different direction. So some people out there might have a misconception about socialism. So can you kindly define socialism if that's not too hard of a question? Sure. No, I think that's a very important question, especially in this country. Um, ever since 2016 and the Bernie Sanders phenomenon, there was a lot of renewed interest in con and conversations about socialism openly. And that's that's good that that was it kind of became more mainstream and there's more interest. But the only trouble with that is once you look past the the surface uh, statements that Bernie was making about how oh s democratic socialism is when you are just like uh, Norway and the Scandinavian countries and you give people health care and you use your taxes for you know to let people go to college and stuff. I think that people were really quick and eager to latch on to that, myself included, because yes, yeah, so, you know we do want those things, and the United States is one of the only what we would consider, you know, Western country or first world countries that doesn't offer those things as a right to its citizens. So they hear that and they're like, yeah, like, what's so hard about that? That, you know, democratic socialism, that's a different flavor. That's a different kind. That's the one I want. But as you read theory and learn a little bit more about, you know, the true meaning of what is socialism, um, it really emerges as something very distinct uh, from social democracy, which is the style of economy that Norway and uh, you know the, the the countries that Bernie would be referencing in his speeches, that's what they really have. It's more of a um, a welfare capitalism, an improved, friendlier, smiling capitalism with a better safety net. The um, because what socialism really is, and the the bare bones definition broken down as defined by the people who created it. Um, it is nothing more than worker control of the means of production, and if you don't have that. It, it can't be called um, any any kind of socialism, whatever, you know, you want to, however you want to soften it or rough, you know, take away the what they think are the rough edges. Um, if people have universal health care and they can go to higher education, uh, attend college without fees as a right, that's great. That is, those are things that should be part of a socialist program. But I think that the mistake that we make is people don't look farther than that. And they think that in itself is socialism, or they even think, well, the military is socialism and the libraries and the cops and anything that the government does, anything your taxes pay for, that's socialism. And that's where we were really getting into the weeds. And uh, that's very confusing because um, it's really, uh, really contradictory to talk about, like to ever imply that, um, something that would be traditionally seen by any of the left, not just socialists, you know, communists, anarchists would agree that uh, 
the military is not socialist and the cops are not a socialist institution. They're very, they're oppressive to the working class and the military is an imperialist body that could be perceived as interfering and aggressively overthrowing democratically elected uh, leaders in other countries, especially, you know, Latin America and things like that. That's not a socialist outlook. That's not a socialist program ever. That's, it could never be construed that way. So when we just sort of uncritically say, yeah, so military socialist. So if you support the military, you're already socialist. Like they're, they're well-meaning when they say that and they make those arguments, but um, they're really promoting uh, a really uh, ahistorical view of socialism that's not founded in theory um, or in uh, a Marxist outlook. So it, so for, we want to focus on what is it really? What is socialism? Um, we, we're so, we're, the, the capitalist American mindset is very intent on alienating the worker and to the point that they're not aware of their relationship of the means of production. And um, it's a it's so complete it, that this country is a perfect example of, well, we can't even define socialism. We, we don't understand what the means of production are. Um, and in, in, a, in a socialist economy, uh, it is the workers who would control the means of production in their own workplace. We would have that democratic control by definition, when the workers run it, it's it's democratic. So all socialism would be democratic. Um, somebody is going to own the means of production wherever it is you work, whether you work for, um, you know, in in any given industry, uh, in in the private sector, there's it could be a different scale. Um, there may, may be lots of bosses. There may be a lot of corporate investors, but somebody owns that and decides where those profits go. Um, and so if it's not the workers that are producing that labor value that are receiving the full extent of that labor value, it's going somewhere else that by definition, those profits are the expropriated surplus labor value created by the workers. And the, the profits are going to somebody who didn't d do that work in the factory or in the office. And uh, so that person, the CEO who owns the company, who owns the means of production can decide, I'm gonna pay myself a billion dollars and I'm gonna pay you guys minimum wage. And um, and that is ensuring that we don't get a say in our own workplace. We don't, it's not fair to talk about, we want a democracy for the working class and we want to be able to have a say in how our lives are run, but the place where you spend eight hours a day, five days a week, um, you don't get a say in how that company is run and, and how it operates and who ultimately controls the uh, operation of the company and where the, the, the money goes that, you know, that's, that's the, the main contradiction that we have. Um, and as socialists, we want to empower the working class uh, through unions and through organization to ultimately have control over their own workplace and to receive the full fruits of their labor that they created. It's not about getting free stuff. It's not about the government paying you things that you paid with your taxes. You know, again, getting Medicare, getting um, free college, those are, those are good. We're not, we're not against that. We want those things to happen. But unless the workers control the means of production, we don't, we, we got 0% socialism. We got none. We're not even close. We're not halfway there. And um, 
I believe, you know, the Democrats are really invested in making sure that, uh, you know, these are a bunch of millionaires for the most part. They don't want that system to end. They are explicitly capitalist party. They say, uh, Nancy Pelosi will say, you know, socialism is not ascendant in the Democratic Party. Um, and, and and even the things that they do claim to support, it, like universal health care, for instance, it's in their platform. And they, they nominate a presidential candidate who doesn't support universal health care and said that he would veto it. If he, you know, they don't even uh, support the things that they, that, you, you know, when you have the common misunderstanding of socialism that like, oh, it's universal health care. They don't even support that. On no level could the Democratic Party be construed as a socialist party on any, like, it's not going there. They don't have any members who are supporting it. And when you say, oh, I'm going to join them and change from the inside, why not just join an already socialist party that explicitly calls for worker control uh, as, as the goal of all of our organizing and all of our efforts that's comprised of working class people, not these sort of like bourgeois elites who have who get millions of dollars on their book tours and speaking engagements, uh, talking to their rich corporate donors in the military industrial complex, cutting deals and making laws that get them paid and perpetuate endless war. Um, that's not something that we, you know, you can participate in on any ethical level and claim I'm representing the people, I'm representing the working class. Like they're, they're not doing that. They are harming people all across the world and they are taking taxes from the working class in this country and using them to fund, you know, $300 million a year in Afghan or a, a year, a day in Afghanistan for a 20 year war that has now failed and accomplished nothing. You know, that is, that's what the democratic party and the Republicans have to offer. They're both on board with this. We need to really look in drastic different directions. And I, and I feel like the only, you can't take something that, corrupt and entrenched and just bloated with people with this old uh, outdated mode of thinking who are making just insane amounts of money off of their capitalist outlook then of course they don't want to part with it they don't want to change it no matter what they say or what they post on twitter saying oh it's it, it should be unacceptable for anyone to be in student loan debt and then they never pass any laws to change it that's why it's so critical to uh, organize outside of that entirely and divorce ourselves from the mindset that Democrats have anything to offer when, you know, they, they're in power right now. They've got it all. They, they own the White House. They have a majority in, in the Senate and the House. Um, they could pass by numbers, you know, anything they wanted. They have a Democratic VP tiebreaker in Congress. So, um, this is the thing that they say, oh, you get the blue wave and you can get whatever you want. Why don't we have it then? Why haven't they canceled student loan debt? Why haven't they given people universal health care during a pandemic? Why? Have, because they don't want to. You know, it's always the most obvious answer that we never want to see. Uh, oh, there must be an explanation. Yeah, I mean, there is an explanation. It's the most obvious one. They don't want to. They're not interested. And people are so desperate to not see that, that they'll come up with all, every excuse in the world about Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin's a Democrat. You know, I don't want to hear it. it. These are the people that they say you vote blue no matter who. And then they tell you, well, Joe, it's Joe Manchin. What are you going to do? And um, it, you're, all you do is spin your tires and go in circles all day and 
uh, waste your time and waste your life arguing with with people. Um, and if it seems hopeless to build a third party outside of that, um, it doesn't seem anywhere near as hopeless to me as trying to work within the confines of an explicitly oppressive, capitalist, racist, sexist party that made a rapist president. And I mean, Joe Biden and Trump before him too. <laughs> you know, they're all just, I don't know. It, there's there's no redemption across the board for these people in my eyes. I can't get behind them. I, I refuse. And people with integrity, we got to look elsewhere. That's music to our ears. We love to hear that. <laughs> so I got a practical question for you. Sure. So for people who are members of your party and mm -hmm. who support your views, how do the socialism work in the daily life? And let me give you an example. Let's say I, I wash windows. That's my skill. So mm -hmm. I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to work for myself. So how would I do that without becoming an exploiter myself? Well, it's a complicated question because um, I think that one of the understandings that most socialists have is uh, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism, right? So, and so this is what we mention when people, they try to get you in this, they try to corner you and say, oh, if you're so socialist, why are you using an iPhone? And, you know, like, what does that be like? As if to say that if while you live in this capitalist country, how dare you um, purchase things or support a company that uh, is a capitalist company or, or whatever. I'm not sure exactly what the argument is that they're making, but it seems to be like if you participate in this capitalist economy and you exist here and while while identifying as a socialist, then, you know, you're being a hypocrite. And um, I think that that you know, I didn't choose to be born here. And a lot of people, they're just here by fate, right? They ended up in the United States because probably they were born here and they have to make a living. And um, I think that we have some degree of control over, you know, where we end up. I'm not, I think that some people have less of a say than others. You might happen to have been born to wealthy parents and they set you up with this amazing job and you can just kind of call the shots and do whatever you want. Or you may have been born in an underprivileged community and not had access to those types of resources, didn't get to go to college, um, maybe ended up forced down a different route, um, doing whatever skills you may have been available to you. Um, again, you can still you still have agency as an individual. You can still try to pursue a path that aligns with your personal morals. But you know, for instance, if I if I know somebody that was laid off during the pandemic and they're struggling and they're looking for work and then finally they get a job and it's at Amazon. Well, you know, do we all hate Amazon? Yes. Like I hate Jeff Bezos. He treats his workers terribly. They're union busters. They make their warehouse workers pee in a bottle. I, I, yeah. Across the board, we hate Amazon. And I am, but do I have a personal problem with an individual trying to pay their bills by getting the job that they can? No. You know, I'll, if they, want support and they're like, man, you know, I'm trying to find anything else better than this. Does anyone have, uh, you know, could you be my reference? Do you know of any jobs in the area? Then I'll, I would support them hundred percent. I'll try and like make a suggestion of like, oh, here's a, here's a course you can take with, and the certificate will let you get this job or, you know, whatever it is you can do. But I will withhold any judgment towards people that 
they feel the need to buy their food from Walmart because it's cheaper there and that's what they could afford, it doesn't mean I approve of Walmart or their business practices or the way they treat their employees. Certainly not. Um, I support working class people doing what they need to do to survive and pay their bills. When so many people are living paycheck to paycheck, they're experiencing housing insecurity, um, they're worried about the eviction moratorium and all this stuff. And, and the last thing they need is some socialists or anybody saying, well, you can't work here or you can't purchase this product or you're, you're a bad person. You know, now again, I'm, and I'm not going to say that absolves you from ever thinking critically about where you choose to spend your money or where you choose to spend your time. If you have the financial freedom and flexibility to choose where you shop or where you work and you, you're in that position to be a little bit more choosy, you know, that's great. Of course, I prefer to spend my money and, and work for a company where I feel like our values are more aligned. But ultimately, I mean, I feel like it's almost unavoidable that somewhere in at that company, there's going to be a rotten CEO and there's, and there's definitely workers being exploited and not getting the full value of their labor. And, you know, even if it's something I don't even know about that, it, I can just kind of assume living under a capitalist economy, that's how they operate. That's why they're making their billions because it's these low paid minimum wage workers generating all the value for them and not getting properly compensated. And I'm not happy about it, but you know, the alternative, what was the alternative? You know, they're like, if you don't like it, just move, you know, move to what my, my ideal socialist uh, utopia country that doesn't really exist. I think that um, the responsible thing to do is to try to uh, work to change the community that we live in here and, and not try and expect the go away somewhere for the world to solve my problems. Um, we got we to gotta address the problems here at home. And that constant struggle, that working class struggle is what brings about changes and makes people's lives better. Now, and it takes a long time. It doesn't happen overnight. And it, and it is not peaceful either. The reason we have the weekend, the reason we don't have workers locked in the factory anymore, that's because communists and anarchists made the ultimate sacrifice and were murdered by, you know, cops and Pinkertons and bosses trying to dominate and control their lives and people had the you know they they had the wherewithal to fight back and say we demand better for ourselves we want to um have a say in in how our work is done and we want to have a quality of life but you have to fight and struggle for it because they will never just hand it over um so it's it's a tall order it's a lot to ask people they don't want to hear that they want to they want to be told hey you can just check this box on the ballot for one of these big mainstream parties and you're good. You, that's it. You did the right thing. Maybe send a donation through Vote Blue. You did it. Like work is done. You're a hero. You did your civic duty. Um, and I hate to say um, that if it's that easy, whatever you're being sold, it's like, wow, it just, it turns out that the best thing to do in life was the easiest thing to do. Like maybe we should question that a little bit. Maybe we should wonder if that's um, actually a path that benefits somebody who's making a ton of money. And I, I know it's not us. <laughs> I know it's not the working class making a ton of money. When does it ever come back to us? When does that, um, when does that truly benefit the working class people who make this country run and 
you know, we could put our tools down today and, and this, the whole operation of capitalism would grind to a halt because we are the ones with, the, with that power to, to create um, products and offer services. And, um, and we need to step into that power and, and organize collectively, but it's, it is easier said than done. Um, so, and I don't, again, I'm not going to judge anybody for not quite seeing that yet. Capitalism works round the clock through the media to instill messaging to us. You know, they give us shows about billionaires and MTV Cribs and my super sweet 16. And, and they say, this is what you should aspire to be. You being rich rules. If you're not rich, you're just jealous. You should be like Elon Musk. He's a cool genius billionaire. And that is what dominates the airwaves and the, the, uh, the silver screen and the small screen um, is these, these constant messages about you can be rags to riches and you can do all this. And um, so fighting against a lifetime of that type of um, messaging being imprinted on you is hard. And, and we, we got to give people grace, but at the same time, we're running out of time too. you know, climate crisis isn't going to wait forever. And um, you, you got people on the verge of eviction and homelessness because their needs are not being addressed in this country, even though we have the working class people significantly outnumber uh, the CEOs and the ruling class. Um, and uh, if only we could find a way to, to build the power we have, we're not outnumbered, we're just out organized. Um, and, uh, I, and I hope that more people will understand that the socialists are not, are not the people trying to get free stuff from you. They're not trying to um, undermine you or, or take what's yours. We want to give you everything that is yours. It's the working people who deserve everything they create. Um, and we have to really vocally demand that on a regular basis. So basically you believe you, we should see what we can do in our individual lives and it varies from person to person based on circumstance and do what you can yet not judge other people for their predicament in implementing socialism in their daily life. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty accurate. I think if somebody is doing the best of their ability um, to, to work and strive towards a world that is equitable for all, where, where we do have that worker control, where we have democracy in the workplace, um, that's, that's great. And I commend them for their services. But I, I just also want to get away from the very um, individualist mindset that America promotes that, well, here's what you do to solve the climate crisis. You use less water and you recycle your plastic bags and um, you try not to waste, you know, they, they make it sound like like that's going to make a difference against the constant, you know, insane amounts of pollution and carbon output from a, a handful of like 100 companies that are doing like 80 percent of it. And they're like, yeah, that's all you you can just do all this and and you've done your part. But but then like number wise, it's like nothing. It's like statistically you, you did nothing. We have to do th change things on a systemic level to see any meaningful difference. Um, and it's the same with this, you know, again, it, that doesn't mean it's, it's free license to say, Hey, you know, I'll just go and um, freely indulge uh, in supporting the worst countries or the worst companies on the planet because 
because oh i mean there's no ethical consumption anyway but you know if we find ourselves in a in a position where we have where we can choose um it would be nice to uh to try to support for instance um union companies and union products and uh and co-ops and things like that um i understand not everyone has that opportunity especially people that live in rural isolated areas they don't have a lot of choices necessarily they don't have the means to to pick and choose which company they go and get their products from or buy their groceries from so i get it um but uh but you know so being mindful of um of those things while also understanding that these are human beings and that were put here in this country and and they didn't choose where they were born and they got to make a living somehow they got to make those ends meet and pay their bills i don't condemn them or look down on them for uh if they need to buy their their groceries at walmart because it's what they could afford that's what they needed to do and i i do not condemn that individual for doing what works for them so here's a question earlier you mentioned how you viewed it as unfortunate that the left can splinter and get into factions. So yeah. with with your party, since like most parties, you have elections for various positions, how mm-hmm. do the party have races that are innately competitive? So maintain the cohesiveness of the party. Well, I think that one of the things that makes that issue less of an issue is that there's so little socialist like real socialist candidates on offer that i've never at least so far i haven't ever found myself in a position of oh no we're going to run against another socialist um within our own party or even from another party it's like you know i ran for office in 2017 for tumwater city council and i did that because otherwise there wasn't going to be a socialist on the whole ballot for any position and i just thought wow that's sad like that's the only options people have is is one or the other for the capitalist parties and that's it and so that would be an amazing problem to have uh if we were just like man there's so many socialist candidates on this ballot i don't even know which one to choose you can just like pick the best one and not lose either way but um it's rare to do that or to see that happen because uh they don't have the um the resources and the support and the numbers to to do that um And I think that if there were multiple people in the same region who are interested in a position, typically, you know, leftist groups are in touch with each other and we can work together and we could maybe work to build a slate of candidates for the different for various positions. So they're not competing against each other, but they're all saying, hey, this is the socialist and anarchist and communist and whatever supported slate of candidates. And we're all working together and supporting each other, running for different positions in this region that are available. And uh, and let's all support our, our candidates. Now, you wouldn't really see an anarchist running for a position, but, you know, that's just an example. Um, so, like, for instance, our ability to work with the uh, with the Green Party and uh, and they can support our candidates and we can support theirs because we have that alignment and we formed an, an eco-socialist green federation with members in both parties that now instead of competing against them we can share our resources and combine that 
um, that what power we do have to organize accordingly and, and hopefully give people more options than just, well, here's the standard guy that's entrenched in this position that's been in there for years and that's all you can even pick from. So um, not that electoral politics are the end all and be all of everything. You know, I, I go back and forth on it, on whether it's even a useful uh, path or a good use of people's valuable time and money because it costs so much to run for even one of these positions. I heard that there's people running in a limp for a limp. I'm sorry. There, but yeah. Yeah, you're back now. So yeah, it's good now. Kind of oh, continue. Okay. Yeah, I was just saying that uh, I was looking at some of the numbers for the Olympia City Council candidates this year and the mon the type of money they were raising and spending. And you'd be looking at thirty to $50,000 for one seat in one race in the Olympia City Council. And I'm like, what if we just spent that money in the community? What if we, instead of electing this person that might sort of possibly do something to help you or vote a certain way and say that they did what if you just you can actually just take that money and directly support the community do some mutual aid do organize uh to meet the community's needs for whatever it may be do they need ppe do they need uh community medical care do they you know whatever it is do they do we need like a foods a food not bombs set up do we need the really free market like we could use our resources and organize for that and instantly meet people's needs today. And I think there's value in that. Again, it's not, you know, to say that electoral politics is useless, but man, they make it, they just throw up every roadblock imaginable to make it hard to be part of that. The Democrats filed lawsuits in multiple states to keep the Green Party candidate Howie Hawkins off the ballot and kick him off the ballot. Make sure you don't even have the, the choice to find out who he is and learn more about him. And Howie was also the endorsed Socialist Party candidate. So so it's just like you will be subverted and sabotaged at every turn taking that path. And, um, you know, these are things we can all weigh and, and talk about together. And I think the more that the left organizers recognize our common goals and and don't, i don't want to compete with any of them i want to find our common ground and i i have found that it's not too hard to be diplomatic with uh with the various diverse groups out there because there's a lot of commonalities as much as there's left book infighting and all of that <laughs> insufferable sort of back and i want to look for our commonalities and find ways to set that aside and focus on what matters because people's lives do hang in the balance and there is valuable work that can be done and resources that could be distributed in a more efficient way if, if we are organized. So some people make a distinction between socialism and communism. Do you find that distinction an important one to make or is it just, just going into details that you don't need to worry about? Um, I think that it's always valuable to be as informed as possible about the meanings of terms just especially in this country, because the term socialism has been so diluted and degraded and like meaning the opposite of what it ever meant. Like, yeah, socialism is when you vote for capitalists and when you support the military. I'm just like, whoa, how did we get here? You know, and um, and so the distinction, those distinctions are important to make when, when we define social democracy socialism and communism you know i could if i woke up tomorrow i might 
just start saying I'm a communist just because the difference is negligible to me at this point. But if you're a baby leftist or you're a person who's not a leftist and you want to understand the distinction, I think it's important to to break those down a little bit more. Um, you know, socialism, as we talked about before, being the worker control of, of the means of production and communism being more the establishment of a classless, moneyless uh, society um, that's based on those socialist principles. So, um, you know, and, and of course it takes a lot of, it's more than I could just, there's more nuance than I could just uh, elaborate in a quick five second soundbite. I think it's always valuable to read theory or to be exposed to theory. You know, there's audio books, there's, there's videos, there's good, there's some decent videos and, and intros out there on the internet these days. You could find them for just about anything. And uh, so there are good resources to learn more about that, that distinction. But for my purposes, if, if somebody comes to me and says, I'm a socialist, or I'm a communist, I'm an anarchist, whatever, like I, what I hear is that's, that is a left person that I can work with. And we have common goals. We might have different views of how do we get there? What would it look like? You know, there, there, there's going to be different views there, difference of opinions, and that's good. We should hash out what those would look like. Um, but for for all intents and purposes, um, there's not a huge enough distinction for me between socialism and communism for me to say, oh, they're so vastly different, or I couldn't work with a communist. I absolutely, I, I could. I, my main thing is like, can we be totally independent from capitalist parties. You know, the uh, the communist party in, in the U.S., what they identified as communists, and then they what they used to do the, all the time would be to in, just endorse the Democrats and say, go go vote for the Democrat. That's how we're going to do harm reduction. And I'm like, what's the point of having a communist party? Just go join the Democrats at that point. If you're, you're not running your own candidates or you're not even endorsing distinctly anti-capitalist candidates, um, that's not common. So even if you say you're communist, again, I really want to learn more about, um, I need to learn more about these specific details of what is their policy? What do they support? Are they explicitly anti-capitalist? Do they promote workers controlling the means of production? Um, are we, are we really talking about revolution or just mild reforms? Are, are we talking about entryism, you know, which is just going through the Democratic Party, trying to change them, going through all the proper avenues, whatever that means, right? The really ineffective, controlled opposition that accomplishes nothing and only serves to feed you back into the Democratic Party and take all the air out of the room and make sure that revolutionary socialism and communism goes nowhere. So... Um, that's even if somebody does identify as a communist, if we we need to know that, you know, we have these basic views in alignment, the uh, the anti-capitalist uh, pro-worker outlook that's really going to set us apart from uh, the, the traditional Democratic Party line. Well, you've been mentioning theory and the importance of reading theory. What theory do you recommend people read? Yeah, well, I you know, the most the most obvious ones for me would be, you know, reading, reading Karl Marx and, um, and like the, the communist manifesto and people, you know, they might hear communism and, oh, that's scary. But like, but, but socialism as well, the, the theories of socialism are, are defined as, uh, with a Marxist underpinning as well. Um, so getting back to those basics, 
is important because these are the people who who really define these these concepts. Bernie Sanders didn't invent socialism. He didn't. He doesn't get to define it and say socialism is when you have health care. And you know that's we got to in order to get to the basics there. Going and look, read the Communist Manifesto. You could read um, writings by Eugene Debs. He was a candidate. He who ran for president multiple times under the Socialist Party banner, which is the same Socialist Party that we belong to today. Um, his his speeches and his writings are invaluable in really elucidating um, what democratic socialism means for working class people and how it's organized and what it isn't um, so that people get more of a clear understanding of what it's intended to accomplish. The more we water it down and say, oh, it's just when you get healthcare, then we could just stop there. And if, what if we got healthcare? Oh, we did it. We achieved socialism, but you know, we got to reach for further than that. And, and if we have a really well-defined, um, historical foundation for what, for what, uh, socialism means, um, you can go out there and you can get lots of, uh, free resources in like, uh, the online Marxist library, uh, and and just read pretty much as to your heart's content. Like so many good PDFs and entire volumes are available. You could read Lenin. You could read, and I think it's important to also be exposed to ideologies that you might not necessarily subscribe to. Like there are different tendencies within socialism. Some people are ML. Some people are trots. Some people. <laughs> excuse me, um, don't consider themselves necessarily one or the other. And they might say like, you know, no Marxist Leninists in the Socialist Party USA, but you should still be aware of what Lenin was saying in his writings and the way he approached socialism and what that meant to him and how they accomplished it in their view in the Soviet Union and why has communism been so demonized here? Why you know, because it's real socialism and communism that they're scared of. It's, they're not, you know, universal healthcare, maybe it will happen here decades down the road. The U.S. does everything after everything else. But if we get that, we won't have socialism. It's, re it's real socialism that they're scared of. It's worker control that they don't want. Because once they get that, it's game over for the, uh, you know, the billionaire boys club. So, um, it's the, any way that people can find to consume theory that's comfortable for them, audiobooks, YouTube videos, uh, real physical copies of books, they're all good. And reading Marx, reading Lenin, reading Eugene Debs, reading Engels, um, those are good places to start for sure. All right. So how can our audience support you, your efforts, and your party? Yeah, well, of course, if you happen to live in Washington and you're in that, that Puget Sound area in the uh, the regions that we cover, of course, we would invite you, you know, to join the party. If you feel that your views are aligned with the Socialist Party USA platform and you don't feel like you're represented um, by the Democratic Party uh, or any of the other mainstream parties on offer, then, you know, we'd really invite you to, to take a look at... Uh, the Socialist Party USA national website and read read the platform and learn more about it. And um, if you want to join, then that's where you would go is the Socialist Party USA website. And uh, there's a join link on there. If you don't have 
you know, you don't have to pay membership dues if you have a financial limitation. They have waivers for that. So don't feel like, you know, oh, I can't afford to join or something like that. There's there's different tiers so so that people can join at a level that's comfortable for them. Um, and uh, we would love to, to have you. We also have a Discord server where if you have questions about theory or about socialism and or about what our party's up to and local elections and things like that, um, we have the uh, PSSP Discord server. And whether you are a member of a party or any socialist party or not, you're welcome to just hop on and come chat with us and uh, ask questions and learn more that way. Um, we've got good folks that are they're uh, they're friendly and we we drop memes and uh, entertain ourselves, but also it's a good place to uh, to learn more and brush up on on what's going on with local politics and with socialism in general. So that's another way. Um, other than that, uh, that's, I think we have a we have a store as well if people want to buy um, socialist party. Um, for instance, like a shirt, there's a socialist party logo shirt. Um, then, uh, we have an online shop and, uh, so that would be a way to, if they wanted to support and they wanted to get a cool shirt, then that would be a good thing to do. Um, but yeah. And, oh, and we also have a, uh, a Facebook page and a Twitter. So feel free to follow those and just get, get, it will give you an idea of, you know, what the what our views are what we're up to lately and um and a way to to participate in social media if that's a you know whether whichever platform you prefer to use hopefully there's a way you can connect that way so um yeah i think that would probably be the best way to go excellent so for those who are not familiar with discord if you go to how do they find you what is there a handle they type in or how does that work yeah, let me, um, let's see. It is called, um, the, the channel is, let's uh, have a, uh, an invite link. Um, and so what is the best way to do that? I've been sharing the link on our, um, social media pages so that people can just click the link and join, but, uh, Let's see if it has an actual, uh, and I'm not super <laughs> well-versed with finding ways to just uh, share it because I thought that they have to go through the link, but anyone can click the link. Anyone can join. It's not like private or anything like that, um, okay. but it, it, it's called Puget Sound Socialist Party. Um, and if you ever have trouble finding it, you know, I'll probably, I'll try and share it more regularly on our, our Facebook page. Um you can always message the the PSSP Facebook and uh, and ask for that, and I'll I'll share the link with you. Um, it's and it should be on Twitter as well, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it should be out there and visible to anyone who would be interested in checking it out. Excellent. So they can find that basically by going to your social media pages and just click on the link, and they'll get there. They don't have to worry about yeah. any handle. Okay. Yes, absolutely. All right, sounds good. So we thank you for your time today, sharing your views and giving us important information. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me to uh, share today. I really appreciate it. 
have yourself a wonderful day and all the best to you and your party. Great. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye now.